0: Father, as we approach uh, the subject of Israel within the larger context of what will God do with Israel uh, since uh, it is obvious that Romans, particularly deals with salvation of the Gentiles. And uh, we know that Paul was particularly called by God to minister the gospel to the Gentiles. All the other uh, 11 disciples uh, were considered to be ministers to the Jews. But uh, I'm impressed that Paul never forgot about his uh, heritage. And he had great love for the people of Israel. And every time he went into a new city, uh, he would go to the synagogue there he would minister the truth of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes causing uh, quite a stir, uh, which might have something to say that uh, he did so in regard or in the full knowledge that his message would be rejected Nevertheless, there were some Jews that were saved, and they became uh, full-fledged members of the church, uh, just like the Gentiles, because that's the way it was in the church age, that dispensation from Christ uh, on the cross, or actually the time between Pentecost and Uh, the rapture Um, there was the bride of Christ it was being formed after the image of the one who uh, gave his life uh, poured out his blood and um, put up with with so much uh, uh, against the his own person, but yet he served the will of God perfectly and is forever uh, the salvation of all those who were saved from the time of Adam until the last man in the millennial kingdom. Uh, those who will believe on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Bless this word to us tonight. May we understand fully what Israel's problem was. And may we also see some scriptures that give us insight uh, into the law And why no one could be or ever was uh, saved according to that law. Uh, And so these things, Lord, we bring before you tonight. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hi, Fred. Glad to see you. Okay, I think we've got, I thank you people uh, for your faithfulness. Um, I hope God blesses you. I want, I pray that he will uh, in regard to his truth. And we continue to pound away at the truth of God and little by little, uh, Just precept upon precept, we (laughs) know the mind of God, uh, and that's where it's at. And we know the mind of God, and that we put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ and and his blood. And his salvation. Uh, Before I go into chapter 10, I'm doing a short series on chapters 9, 10, and 11 of the book of Romans. Um, And one might look at those chapters and say, gee, they just don't quite seem to fit the whole theme of the book. Uh, But uh, I believe that Paul uh, put them there because after Romans chapter 8, the natural question that we would have would be, what about Israel? Lord, what? uh, Have you forgotten your people? Have you put away your people uh, or disannul their existence. Uh, unfortunately, uh, the majority of Christendom uh, today believes that uh, Israel and the church became one, uh, and therefore, uh, Old Testament saints are Christians, and of course, New Testament saints are Christians, and everybody uh, is just uh, of the same same hue and stripe under Christ. Well, they're all saved, and uh, they all have eternal life. All their sins are forgiven. Uh, They are given a relationship with God. Uh, But uh, Israel remains the wife of Jehovah and the church, according to scripture, is the bride of Christ. Uh, Others have relationship with God in their hearts uh, according to the gospel, through the sacrifice of our Savior. And uh, they have uh, their own relationship with the Lord. Um, In case you don't know it, I've said it before, but Uh, The book of 2 Corinthians particularly is written by Paul uh, as a defense of his ministry. Uh, There were many in Corinth who uh, put Paul down. They said he wasn't a good speaker. They didn't like his appearance uh, and uh, they took every opportunity to run him down. Uh, And so uh, you will see in 2 Corinthians that uh, Paul defends his ministry. But along with that, of course, He gives us truth that is indispensable. And so I'm going to, just before I go to Romans chapter 10, I want to read to you something about the law. Now, what I'm about to read, I could read something similar to it in a hundred other passages in the scripture but this may be one uh, that you're not particularly familiar with. Hello, Logan. I'm glad to see you. Uh, thank you for being with us. Uh, and so I'm going to uh, read a short chapter. Uh, first, pardon me, Second Corinthians chapter 3. Second Corinthians chapter three. I hope you all have your Bibles and I hope uh, that they are open and that you follow along because that will aid you in the future. Uh, It will aid you now, but it will aid you in the future uh, when one day likely I, I won't be here. I don't know what God will provide in regard to a teacher for you, but I pray that you'll stay in the word and um, spend time with the church of Jesus Christ as you do. Okay, again, Second Corinthians chapter three, verse one: Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, uh, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts and read of all men. And so, you know, it's not so much what you say that impresses the lost, but it is the person that you are because of the spirit that is in you. Verse three. For as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle. Now, you know epistle means letter. You are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God." not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And so Paul is talking about knowing Christ in the soul. Uh, A soul is that part of us where we make decisions uh, our spirit is where we are either alive or not, and if we're alive, we have the spirit of God, but there is such a thing in the scripture called a dead spirit, and those who do not have Christ are dead because their spirit is dead. They cannot have a relationship with God, neither can they understand him anything about him. And uh, practice, if they practice religion, uh, they practice in vain because it is the spirit that gives life and the flesh uh, only gives us locomotion and capacity to interface with this world. And that is why that when we go to heaven, that flesh does not go with us. Uh, And so Christ said, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But it's not as though we won't be clothed upon by a body. We will have a new body then when we're with Christ. just like his body. First Corinthians 15, that would be where you would go to read about that in detail and it's called a spiritual body. Um, And there will be no difficulty with sin in the flesh uh, after we leave this world. Because we will not take the flesh with us. And uh, I want you to know that in making uh, you into a new creation, that will be uh, the principally, the new spirit that God will put in you. And uh, he will make it yours forever. There will be no one in eternity who has to deal with sin, either uh, according to the flesh uh, or because of practice. uh, All will be perfect. And uh, God will present his church to Jesus Christ without spot and without blemish because all uh, at that time will be of that newness that we are made, the new creator or the new creation that we are in Jesus Christ. And so verse four in Second Corinthians, uh, chapter 3, Paul says, And such Christ have we through Christ to God." Interesting way of putting things. Uh, but Paul says not to take anything upon himself but give God credit for all things. He says, not that we are sufficient ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Um, Verse six, a very interesting verse, a verse I spent a lot of time on. Verse 6 says, who also has made us able ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit, uh, of the spirit, for the spirit killeth, uh, pardon me, for the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. And so uh, there paul tells us that the ministry that he has is of the spirit and uh, <laughs> we should only associate it with the new covenant in that, that way for the rest of the new covenant is from the nation of israel and will not uh, be in effect until the nation receives their Messiah at the end of the tribulation period and going on into the millennial kingdom. Um, but as he was talking about the letter that kills, uh, he... Launched in on a discussion of the letter, not of any new covenant, but the letter of the law. And the reason I am uh, mentioning this is because in chapter uh, 10, no, in, yeah in chapter 10 of uh, Romans, we will see that the reason that Israel as a nation could not come to the Lord, hope oh, is right again. Yeah, well, um, cannot come to the Lord because they were not willing to release or to surrender themselves as totally without righteousness, uh, except that they received the righteousness of God himself. Uh, you want to read about that? Read uh, One place is uh, Romans chapter. Two and three, uh, which says that it is the righteousness of God Himself that we have through Jesus Christ, um, and so He talks about the uh, uh, the legalism of law that was written in stone. And when he says that, we know he's talking about the law of Moses. And he says, the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses. Ah. Uh, For the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious? Um, Just a question for you. Uh, Do you know... uh, what Paul actually was saying that, saying there, what was the problem uh, with the ministration and the acceptance and uh, the obedience that many gave uh, and still do to the law, um, not considering that faith uh, is what says this. Why can the law not save us? Okay. I don't have any takers on that. Um, uh,
1: there, was no got-
0: okay. <laughs> there was no shedding of blood. Okay. There was no shedding of blood. Hi, Justin. Justin. Uh, and Jamie, we're glad to have you with us tonight. Yes, there was no shedding of blood. Uh, it was the difference between using the law to become like in, in their minds, uh, like having the righteousness of God. But righteousness is not something Uh, that is done, it is something that is part, uh, more than part, makes up the characterization of the whole Christian. That, uh, therefore, uh, he um, naturally does that which pleases God. Uh, And righteousness comes um, when one falls in love with God, when one loves the works of God, when one finds that obedience uh, to God, Uh, is uh, not like obedience to rule which we feel we ought to do but is obedience that comes from loving him and uh, as Christ said I have not come to do my own will but the will of the one who sent me Well, why did Christ do that? Why did Christ go to the cross? He went to the cross because he loved the Father. Uh, And he was uh, going to put him uh, above every other consideration. Uh, He did it perfectly. And though we do not do it perfectly, we have an advocate, who is Jesus Christ, uh, who tells us that he will persevere and bring us wholly uh, as to the righteousness of God. So talking about the glory of the law, Moses says, yes, the law was glorious. There was nothing wrong with the law. If I would take you to the book of Galatians, you don't have to turn there. uh, Verse uh, chapter three, verse 21. uh, And... Paul addresses that question, uh, verse nineteen. He starts and says, "Wherefore then serveth the law? Was uh, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come, who is Christ, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained." by uh, angels in the hand of a mediator. In other words, the law was mediated on Mount Sinai. Uh, the go-betweens between Moses and God were angels. And then he says, now a mediator is of one, uh, is not of one, And now a mediator is not a mediator of one, but God is one. Uh, The mediator went, uh, uh, what mediation went on was in the Trinity itself. Uh, And then the question is asked, is the law then, against the promises of God? Paul answers, as he does in a few other places, God forbid, for if there had been a law given, which could have given life, verily, righteousness should have been by the law. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. And that's what the first three or four chapters of Romans proves. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. There in Romans, uh, Paul uh, concluded that the Jews and the Gentiles were all the same before God. Uh, They were all just under sin. Uh, But scripture has concluded all under sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. But before faith came, we were kept under the law Shut up unto the faith which should be revealed. Therefore, the law was our schoolmaster. Uh, And I've talked about this before. How was the law a schoolmaster, by the way? It's our Our need for a savior it showed us a need for a savior and it showed us that we could not be righteous like god in other words and as far as keeping the law we couldn't do that either Uh, and so god brought something much better and he says here wherefore the law was our schoolmaster To bring us under Christ, that we might be justified as made right by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster, and that is saying, among other things, that there is not—it is not allowed. To mix law and salva- and uh, faith and call it salvation. It is not allowed. You're either going to trust in legal things or in the law and be lost because no one has ever or ever will be saved by the law or trust in Christ, where you can be sure that you will be saved. Uh, for we are all the children of God by faith. Actually, that's sons. We are all the sons of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have put on or has, have been baptized in Christ, have put on Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond or free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. Uh, and if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now, what was just spoken, talking about Jews and Greeks and so on, Uh, it principally applies to those uh, who have come uh, or who are members of the church or the body of Jesus Christ. Uh, The Israelites and the others who believe God are saved as well. But we are a special heavenly people. I don't ever want you to forget that. Your home is in heaven. Israel's home uh, will always be earthly. uh, And men outside of Israel um, probably will be earthly people too. Uh, But we are special. And we are the only group in this, um, according to this dispensation, that uh, have the life of Christ living in us uh, and making us sons of God, whereas others have the Spirit of God, but they are not sons. And so they don't have that same spirit of adoption. Um, Now, having said that, I am now going to turn to the chapter that I wanted to address, um, which is chapter 10 of Romans. I think this chapter is fairly self-explanatory. I wanted to read a few things about the law so you would understand more about chapter 10. And here's what Paul has to say, starting with chapter 10, verse 1. Brother. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. Um, Just a word of explanation. Uh, The... Jews and not not really all the Jews, but some of the Jews and the ones that we would think um, God ought to, or we think God might consider for salvation would be the ones, they were really good Jews. I mean, they practiced all the feast days. They prayed the prayers. They took uh, things uh, in life according to the Levitical order that was given unto them. They did the sacrifices in the temple and they most of, uh, uh, more prominently they kept the law better than anybody else. Uh, Unfortunately, Christ said to these kinds of people, he said, unless your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees who were the epitome of law keepers, uh, you will, Paul said, um, not be saved you have no part with christ because it is impossible that we be made into the righteousness of god except it be spiritual and that the law is not spiritual the law deals with the flesh i will also say to you that it is, I believe, for most human beings, much easier to understand uh, trying to gain God's favor by keeping the law because the flesh understands keeping rules. But being changed uh, into the image of Jesus Christ by the Spirit has nothing to do with the flesh. The flesh cannot uh, change uh, what it is, but will always be uh, according uh, to selfishness will always be according to uh, unfaithfulness to God, will always be according to the sin that dwells in the flesh. It's what we got from Adam, and it's what must go uh, for us to please God. And that is why that it is during our life in this earth, it is, uh, it seems sometimes difficult to obey the spirit when we find that the flesh is tempting us uh, just in an opposite way. But even then, and right here in this earth, the spirit promises us that there is no temptation that would taken us. And uh, David, by the way, I have uh, reconfirmed that Christ was tempted in all points such as we are, and yet without sin and his temptations, We're absolutely real, but when we are tempted, we have to flee to the spirit who is Christ in us, even as we are on this earth. You were baptized into Christ and Christ is with you. And if you flee to him, Every, with every temptation, you will be delivered out of it. And that is a promise of God that no temptation has taken you, but such is common to man, but God will uh, not suffer you to be tempted um, more than you are able, But will, with the temptation, make a way of escape? And I have a question for you. My friend, there is an answer to this. We talked about it before. What uh, is the way of escape? When you are tempted to disobey God, what is your way of escape? Uh, even before you go to heaven? Somebody answer that. Somebody ought to be able to answer that.
1: Turn towards God.
0: All right. Judas okay. says turn towards God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll put a little sharper point on it and oh, say turn wow. <laughs> to Christ.
1: Call on the name of the
0: Call Lord. Call upon the name of the Lord for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved and that that means not only are they saved to God but they are saved out of the whatever temptation may be coming against them um, in this world all right Verse 3, chapter 10 of Romans, for they being ignorant, says it's talking about Israel in the flesh, Israel before they uh, came to know God. And he said, for they being ignorant, in other words, not knowing of God's Righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness. Pardon me. Going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. So Paul says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, uh, by, the mercies by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies holy and acceptable unto God. In other words, you've got, that's for this world. You won't need that, uh, in heaven, because you will not have a body of sin, but here we do, and so we take this body of sin that we we dwell in right now, and we say, Lord, I belong to you. Whatever it is that you call upon me to do, I submit my own will to you, and a will of my own is something that I will not exercise, but allow you to live in me to the glory of God. And so that is what Paul means when he says that they've submitted themselves, or The Jews have not submitted themselves into the righteousness of God. You must submit yourself to the righteousness of God. My friend, some people are offended at that because that means they give up being their own person. But they were created for that. They were created for God. They were created to do his will. They were created to give him glory. And they will never be satisfied or find true joy except it be in doing uh, through the Spirit those things that please God. And so, verse 4 says, For Christ is the End of the law of, uh, for righteousness to everyone that believes. And a passage that impresses me uh, quite a lot is found in Romans chapter 8. I remind you of it quite often. After talking about Romans chapter 8, we look at the first four verses. But after talking about the fact that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death, which comes, by the way, from the flesh. Uh, The law of the spirit of life comes by the spirit. And if you don't have that, if you have not received the spirit of Christ, he is none of yours and you are none of his. And so Paul said in verse three there in Romans eight, for what the law could not do, why? In that it was weak through the flesh for God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, in other words, he disempowered sin in the flesh, why, and this is what I wanted to get to in verse four, in regard to the law of God, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And so don't let anybody think that it is okay to um, be selfish or do your own will. and do that which the flesh dictates and follow after what your own flesh uh, so uh, desperately seems to want. Uh, that is a life of death. But the righteousness that uh, the law w- could or uh, uh, if there was a law that would have been able to make men righteous was uh, something written on tables of stone, that will be fulfilled in us if we walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Uh, And so, We know that uh, how God, how wonderfully God gave, for example, the law, which was glorious to Israel, but they had to find out that they needed something uh, beyond that and they still as a nation have not learned that what is beyond that is the spirit of God. But they will come to know that and they will receive their Messiah or their savior and they will come to walk in the spirit as we do and as we will.
1: I think Romans 9, 30 through 33 says exactly what you just said. Why
0: don't you read that for us?
1: What shall we say then that the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness, which is of faith, but Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, had not attained to the law of righteousness, wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And it is written, behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed.
0: That's right. And and so Jesus Christ is the stumbling stone because people don't want to give up their own righteousness, their own merit uh, as they look at it before God. And they try hard to do all that God uh, would want them to do. And none of that is true righteousness. My friend, think if you would again about how righteous God is the perfection of his righteousness Mm -hmm. and then think this thought that he gives to you that you will stand before him clothed perfectly in the same righteousness that he has Mm -hmm. where was that you read that from Um, oh that Romans 9, 30, 33. Okay. That was in Romans 9. Uh, for verse 5 in Romans 10, for Moses describes the righteousness, which is of the law, that the man which do, does those things shall live by them. That is, if you're going to live by the law, you'll answer to the law, and you will be condemned. For no one has kept it perfectly. And besides that, it wouldn't give you the righteousness required uh, by a holy God. But the righteousness which of faith speaketh on this wise, say not in thy heart, who shall ascend up into heaven? That is to bring Christ from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ again from the dead. Uh, Neither of those things are we able to do, nor would they be sufficient. But what does it say? But what saith it? The word is nigh unto thee. You don't have to go somewhere. You don't have to join uh, some church. You don't even uh, have to go through rites of baptism or anything else. There is but one thing that saves the sinner. Mm -hmm. That is faith in the Lord jesus christ but what saith it the word, and that's close to you my friend it's right there you can know it in your heart right there even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shall confess with thy mouth the lord jesus christ and thou shalt believe in thy heart that god has raised him from the dead Uh, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation now I just have one thing to say about that. Salvation is brought by faith, but confession is uh, a statement to, uh, that we are not ashamed uh, to say that Christ is our Savior. That's a way Paul starts out in Romans 1. He says, I am not ashamed and neither should and will be any Christian. I am not ashamed of Christ because he is a power of salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him, back to faith, shall not be ashamed. So none of us should ever be ashamed to state to whoever will listen that Jesus Christ is our savior and that belief in him has set us apart uh, and given us eternal life. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved how then how then shall they call on him who they have not believed there are so many people that think uh all oh, about the the man in some far off place like Aryan gyra uh, how will he be saved well I tell you, if he simply call upon that God that is shown to him through the natural order in in Romans chapter 1, which says that we know him by the things that he has made, even up to the limit, that he is the eternal Godhead. If that person simply says, Whoever you are, then I want you. I call out to you. Then I tell you, it then is left to God to prove his faithfulness to that individual who wants to know God, that he will never be discouraged or disappointed god will move heaven and earth to reach him how then shall they call upon them upon whom they have not believed how shall they believe in whom they have not heard and how shall they hear what the other preacher and This is talking about uh, the fruit that can uh, be brought by uh, the foolishness of preaching uh, that many men who probably don't have those thoughts that I just mentioned, uh, that they would hear from us that there is a savior and in him is eternal life how shall they preach except they be sent and as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of of peace And bring glad tidings of good things. And of course, that's what the gospel means. Glad tidings. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For uh, Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? So then, faith come by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Have they not heard? Yes, verily. Their sound went into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. But I say, did not. Israel know, first Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are no people. In other words, you aren't my people. Uh, Read the book of Hosea, and um, by a foolish nation, I will anger you. Just a moment on that what paul is saying to us and was a great mystery one of the great mysteries of the age is that he has held off on saving his covenant people so that by uh by their being in the shadows, if you will, he would bring a great mystery to come to pass. And that mystery, which really astounded, read the book of Acts, it astounded the Jews that God would save those awful Gentiles. The people who weren't Jews, but they find, they even had to have a council. You go, I think Acts fifteen you read about the Jerusalem Council. <coughs> Pardon me, they had to come together to wrap their heads or their minds around what the apostles. Uh, particularly Peter and Paul had to say that God had saved the Gentiles and many Gentiles were coming to Christ and there were almost no, comparatively, Jews that were coming uh, to Christ. Um, And Some of them were angry. Uh, Some of the the first members of the church, uh, almost all of them were Jews. And when they heard that God had brought salvation to the Gentiles, they were absolutely astonished. Uh, And that's what the scripture means. Um, uh, that God would make the Jews jealous of the relationship that he would give whom they considered to be impossibly unrighteous people, a relationship with God, even... uh, that they could see was real and vital and something full of life. He was hoping and he will yet bring them to jealousy when they recognize him. Again, read the book, of Zechariah, last chapters, they, when they recognize that he is their Messiah, and they will be jealous that the the Gentiles have already been saved, Uh, then they will come to Christ. Uh, And so, but I say, I'll read verse 19 again. But I say, Did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy by them that are not a people and by a foolish nation will I anger you. There it is, black and white. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. We weren't looking to be saved, my friend. I tell you that night I found Christ, I wasn't looking to be saved. But God is full of grace. Grace. I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gain sane people in other words for the most part israel remained and even to this day remains a people that are apart from the salvation of god not because god hasn't reached out to him to them but because They were particularly uh, stiff-necked and self-righteous and unwilling to believe that God would receive and make a special people out of those whom they despised. And such is the mystery of God. And such is the mystery of godliness that God would remain faithful to his people. And he did not forget them, but he put them on hold and he saved millions more of those who were not called by his name and then he turned right back around and he says if uh, the uh, saving of the gentiles showed the goodness of god how much more wonderful will it be when he saves those who are the ones he went after who refused him for so long. And we're going to read about that in chapter 11, which of the three chapters I think is the most interesting And we will hear something about the grafting of branches in a tree. And we will hear something about the root and the fatness of the promises of God. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I hope uh, and pray that each of us would partake of that root and that fatness to the limit because God has gone to special, why I won't say trouble, Mm -hmm. means and ends to bring us to Him and then graft us in to that which he has already made to grow Mm -hmm. thank you lord i pray father Mm -hmm. thank you for your goodness we thank you father we see both your goodness and your severity to those who believe we see your goodness but to those who will not believe, then we see your severity. Uh, It is uh, beyond, Lord, our ability to measure either one. But we say to you for all that we are tonight, that you are our God that we are your offspring, that you are marvelously gracious and wonderful and righteous to do for us that which we never would have fathomed had we been given uh, the the opportunity to make uh, some type of means for salvation, Lord, we couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. It had to be left to you. Mm -hmm. And you have done it. Mm -hmm. Not only in saving the ones you first went after, but in saving all men who would believe. Thank you, Lord. We remain yours. And you, Lord, are ours. And we love you, Lord, with all of our heart and all of our and all of our strength. Mm. And we thank you and Mm. praise you in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. 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 Were there any questions uh, regarding that which was said? Then if you do, if you think of it, ask them, Uh, On Sunday, for we, God willing, will finish uh, this little uh, trinity of verses uh, from Romans 9, 10, and finally Sunday, chapter 11, uh, which is, I think you agree, seemingly, totally out of place, but yet God put it right here in his wisdom and his uh, intelligence that we might ask the right question and receive the right answer. Thank you. God bless you all. Thank you for your faithfulness. Uh, thank you for your 10 minutes.